also we're recording hi hi hello and hi and welcome hi hi hello hi this is the first time i've heard your voice all day oh and it is such a beautiful voice how are yours. you yours i'm good i'm scattered <laughs> and a little bit of a hot mess but i'm good what does that mean let me tell you about it so I I write out all of my notes by hand every week like a monster. Oh, no, this is already stressing me out. Yeah, just wait. So I had everything written out in my timeline yesterday. I had it all done yesterday, like an overachieving champ. I was ready to go. God. This well. proves to me that I will never, ever plan ahead ever again. So I had it all planned out. I had it all written out. Everything was wonderful. I had it all planned out, written out. Everything's great. So I hung out with my friend Kelly today and we were going to go to like this cute Chicago pumpkin patch and, and cider place. And, you know, there's face painting and, you know, just like a fall festival kind of thing. Oh my God. There are a whole That's bunch the most of fall thing I've ever heard. Right. I was super excited. And there are a whole bunch in Chicago, but most of them are like $30 to get in. And I was like, Hey, I don't super want to drop 30 bucks to walk around. So we looked around and we found one that was $13. And I was like, that I will do. I'll do 13 And so we go and we show up and it's earlier today and I have everything done and everything set. And I've already like taken the dog to the dog park and she's running around like I'm, I'm prepped. Right. And we go and it's like a middle school put it on. And so it's like a really poorly drawn Sharpie sign. And by pumpkin patch, yes. I think they made meant like these are our pumpkins. Yes. And there was a bounce house and it was How many pumpkins were they saying constituted a patch? Maximum twenty. Amazing. Okay. So it took us four seconds to walk around and we were like, Well, this <laughs> was not meant for adults. I'm glad that we came to this. <laughs> and so she was like, Hey, there's a place nearby that has five dollar burgers and I was like, I'm sold. And <laughs> We actually didn't end up getting a burger. We got some fried pickles instead. But we, like, hung out and talked and caught up, and we hadn't talked in a long time. So it was great. And so then I came home, and I was like, okay, I'm going to start some laundry because I'm going out of town tomorrow. And I'm leaving essentially from work. And so I was like, okay. So I got home, and I started some laundry. I was like, great. This will be great. I was going to take a shower, but then I was, like, getting everything set for the podcast, and then I had, like, nine minutes, and I was like, I can't shower that fast. And then as I was getting everything set for the podcast, I realized that the notes I had laid out were from last week. And I was like, oh, oh no. Oh, oh no. Where are my notes? Where are my notes? And I realized the book that I talked about last week, Madam President, yeah. I had borrowed that from my old roommate, Sade. And so I realized that whenever I finished this week's notes to keep them from getting crinkled on the commute home, I tucked them into Madam President. So when I returned the book after I finished it, the notes were still in it. And this is like 13 oh, no. minutes ago. And so I was like, okay, okay, this is fine. So I start calling Callie and Sade repeatedly and texting them and nobody's answering, nobody's answering. And then I finally get a call back. That's like, are you dead? What is happening? And I was like, are you home? I'm coming over. And they were like, yeah, we're home. What, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I can't explain. I, like, I have to. I'm coming over. The book that I gave back to Sade has all my notes in it for Babe Town. I have to start recording in like 10 minutes. 
And they were like, okay, all right, see you in a second. And I was like, I'm coming over. So I ran over in a sweatshirt, sweatpants, and flip-flops. It's like 45 degrees. No bra, sprinting across the street. Ran upstairs, grabbed the notes, ran back down, came back over here, plugged in everything, and was like, okay, let's do this. So I'm pretty sure I have everything, but I haven't actually looked it over. So if there's a huge gap somewhere, it's just going to be like, well, shoot. I love this (laughs) and I like as I was running over I was trying to go over all the information in my head I was like do I remember this story can I tell this story from memory because I'm gonna miss so many details if I don't have my notes and I was like I would have been able to tell you like the bare bones like a 10 minute version of it but man it deserves so much more than that wow how are you (laughs) I'm good your story about losing your note reminds me, do you know that Hunter lost his speech for officiating our wedding? Nice. The day of the wedding. I mean, way to pull that out of his hat, you know? It was like, we got married at four and it was probably like noon and like right before photos. And Hunter, I guess, like went and checked his iPad and his Google Doc had just deleted itself. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And so poor sweet Hunter was like so stressed out the whole day. And, and I had no idea. Like I didn't know this for like a month. <laughs> that, I mean, he pulled it off. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love it. Hey, Reagan. <laughs> yes, Taylor. <laughs> Someday we're going to figure out how to have a smooth transition. No, it's never going to happen. Also, Valkyrie just ran in here and jumped up and like crumpled up all of my notes. Which is fine. I can still like read them and everything. It's not anything important. It's just when you hear me reading it, because I am a monster and only do it on handwritten paper, it's just going to be like (laughs) really noisy. That's great. Um, One of these days I'll type them and it'll be fine. I don't know how to do who goes first on this one because I went, as I was warning you last week, I went outside of what we normally do. I have a guess as to yours. Can I really? guess? Should we introduce this and then you can guess? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Welcome <laughs> to Babe Town. This is the podcast that you listen to where we tell you stories of women that we find super cool and empowering and uplifting and badass, you know? I do know. And also, it's our spooky Halloween, spooky, spooky time episode because this will come out on Monday. So it'll be like two days before. Yeah, day after tomorrow is Halloween, you guys. So if you're not wearing your costumes 100% of the time already, then I don't know who you are. Mm. Says the person who doesn't have a costume yet. Oh, I don't even know what I'm going as. (laughs) I am a last minute lady. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Who's to say? I'll figure it out. I always do. Can I guess yours? Yes. Okay, so the reason that I'm guessing this is because you told me that you can't give me initials because there are too many. Correct. Because you told me last week I'm going to go outside the norm. Correct. And because you told me you're going to do a deep dive into spooky. Yes. These are the three things that lead me to believe that it's not a person but an event and that you're doing the Salem Witch Trials. A good guess and no. Oh, damn it. Really? Oh, my God. This is what I do all week is I just try and figure out who you're doing. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, I don't know how to do it because it, mine is, yes, it's a group, but it's a very wide variety of groups that are not all together. So like some are born 
in the 1800s, some are born in the 1900s, some are like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a whole plethora. And so I don't know how to base the group off of a birthday. Um, okay. Is there like, what's the earliest, what's the earliest date that you have in your story? I guess. Cause the mine, only, I don't know their birthdays. The earliest like actual date that I have is 1873. I'm going first then. Oh, I love it. Okay. Okay. Great. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Man, I thought for sure it was going to be the Salem Witch Trial. So I got all cozy because I didn't think that I was going to have to go first. Let's see here. Oh, wait. Hey, what are you drinking? Oh, Diet Coke. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I ended up not going and getting a beer because my head, there's a big storm system that's moved in and my head is like doing okay, but not great. And so I didn't figure I wanted to tempt fate. Yeah, don't do that, especially just for this. Yeah. What are you drinking? Uh, buckle up because you know, I am at a hydration station and I'm drinking water. Oh my God. Really cute. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I neither of us. Like I have to wake We're up both at too six. Old. I know I had to wake up at six to go to work and I just didn't want to drink before I got a big old glass of water. We're at the point in our lives where drinking is work, Reagan. You know what? Water's refreshing. I feel great. It's hydrating. It makes up like, what is it? Like 75% of the planet or some shit. Yeah, and I feel great. All right, Diet Coke, hit me with your story. Okay. Have you ever heard of, and I'm sure that you have because I'm like 97% sure that there's a drunk history about them. <laughs> have you ever heard of the Fox sisters? <gasps> oh, I'm going to have to take yeah. a list. Yes, I have. Oh my God, I'm so excited <laughs> to see how you tell me the story. Yay. Yes. Okay. I figured that you probably knew who the Fox sisters are because they are well known. I mean, I literally know them through drunk history. I figured that you probably did. I was like, I don't remember there being a drunk history about them, but I'm sure that there is one. That's a good one. Okay. Tell me. I'm Um, excited. Oh, okay. So Rochester, New York, 1845. (laughs) You picture it? I'm there. Okay. Two parents, John and Margaret Fox. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They have six kids and only records for four of them exist (laughs) oh sure i saw in one place that they had six kids and then everywhere else only talked about the four of them so um the order that you need to know them in leah is the oldest she is 33 at the start of the story um david is the son in this story and then there's maggie who's 15 and kate who's 11 okay So 1845, late March, Maggie and Kate start hearing a bunch of noises in their house. They're hearing like knocking on the walls and like footsteps on the stairs. And they're hearing like tapping noises coming from just all over their room. And their dad is like, no, this is just, I don't know what's going on, but this is pretty stupid. And their mom is like, holy shit, our house is super fucking haunted. So their mom is like freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) And Maggie and Kate both are like, I don't know, like, it's super weird. She starts inviting the neighbors over to their house to be like, do you guys fucking hear this? Like, is this, I'm not crazy, right? I'm not crazy, right? Yes. Their mom is like, can you guys explain this? Like, all of their neighbors are, like, coming over to the house all the time. People start, like, loitering outside of the house just hoping to hear the spirit. People were into it. Right. Which, like, I understand. I love haunted shit. Dude. Oh, my God. You would never be able to get me out of your kitchen. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And like they would 
they would like move around rooms and shit. And like at one point, David, the son is like, okay, well, maybe let's have the spirit tap out the answers to things according to letters. Right. Which like, it's weird that it took them like kind of a while to come up with this. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to ask it questions, it needs to be able to say more than yes or no. Yeah. It has to be able to answer. Right. So um, they tried it and it comes out that the spirit is likely that of a 31 year old peddler who had been murdered in the house like years before by the previous tenants of the house. And they had buried him in the basement, and now he was haunting the house and talking to Maggie and Katie. Why would you ever bury anyone in your basement? Dude, like, what? That is a guaranteed, like, haunt fodder. You are asking someone to haunt you. Oh, my God. That, yeah. Which, can we also talk about how it's my secret dream to one day be able to haunt somebody, but I want to be able to haunt, like, specifically, like, travel channel ghost show posts and just wander around and like whisper like breakfast and like dumb shit at them i hope that your dream comes true i think about this a weird amount i always wanted to sneak into like the buckner building or like famously haunted buildings and spray paint messages like i like the office (laughs) or like random sentences that were like actually kind of happy yeah instead of like you know I just want to like wander around and like haunt people who like really want to be haunted, but like not tell them anything interesting. Just no, not at like, all. Not super at all. mundane, boring shit. Yeah. Where was I? Oh, the peddler. <laughs> the peddler in the basement is haunting their house. Correct. Right. And talking through Maggie and Kate. Um, this, by the way, is the only way that I know that Margaret had six kids because one of the things that like before she started inviting over all the neighbors when she was just like trying to figure out if it was just, if it was like a sentient spirit or if it was just like, you know, house creaks or whatever. She asked it like, how many kids do I have? And it said seven. And she said, how many are living? And it said six. And that was like the thing that like convinced her. Oof. Yeah. Right. Creepy, super creepy. So everybody is like 100% convinced that their house is very haunted. This town is like really little, like it doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Everything that I read was like, yeah, it's a town that was about 20 miles outside of Rochester, but it's not a thing anymore. So we're just going to round up and say Rochester. So it was a really tiny town. Everybody was obsessed (laughs) and it kind of exploded. Eventually, not only the neighborhood, like the entire town freaking out about this super haunted house to the point where to get away from all of the people and publicity and like also the spookiness of their super haunted house, Margaret convinces her husband John to move the family into David's house that he lives in in like another tiny town. Other known child? Yes. Okay. Son. The, that's about right. all you need to know of him in the story is that they moved into his house. <laughs> Got it. Um, while they're there, somebody writes an article about this house. And Leah, the oldest sister, is a teacher in Rochester. So she also lives like 20 miles away from the house. She's reading this article and then realizes as she's reading it, like, oh, wait, holy shit, that's my family. (laughs) So she's like, what the fuck is going on over there? So she like goes and meets them at David's house. And she's like, um, what up? Like everybody just left the house because it's super haunted. So she starts talking to Maggie and Kate and realizes that the whole thing is total bullshit. (laughs) Yes. The whole thing is total bullshit made up by two kids 
who got in too deep and then were afraid to come clean because they would get in trouble. Story of my life. So back when this all started, it was March 31st, 1847, otherwise known as the day before April Fool's Day. So Maggie and Kate, being two little kids, thought it would be funny to pull one over on their mom. And they had figured out how to basically like snap with their toes. The clicking toes, yes. And like thump their toes against the ground to make like creaking noises. But they were really good at it. So they like, you know, you wouldn't notice it and on any other part of their body like nothing in their face would give it away they would just be snapping their toes disgusting i hate it so gross it's so gross so once their mom like got super into it they were suddenly like okay well shit we can't really come clean because then it'll make us look like assholes sure maybe maybe it'll just go away and then their mom went out and like got the whole town (laughs) (laughs) they were like ah okay well Oh, no. (laughs) This is who we are now. So they end up leaving the family home because these two girls just aren't like, hey, sorry, it's us. We're real good at thumping toes. It was shitty. Sorry. No, it goes on and on and on for years, for years. Like by the time they, by the time they moved to David's house, it's like two years have gone by. No. Like, these girls have committed to this bit, and it's... Yeah, you can't back out then. Kind of impressive. Um, No, absolutely not. You can't. Um, So, uh, rather than rat them out, is like, hey, okay, um, here's what we're going to do. Be the medium, and I will interpret what the spirits are saying to you. We're all going to go on tour. So they had... They moved in with Leah in Rochester, and Leah's neighbors, um, the Posts, were curious about what was going on with the sisters. So they came in, they come into the house, and they're like, okay, let's try this out. So they host a seance, and they are so convinced by Maggie and Kate that they take them downstairs, and they do, like, an inspection to see if they're, like, if they have any hidden wires or anything, Nothing. So they're like, okay, well, fucking, we got to make some money off of this. So they rent out a 400 person hall and invite everybody to come see this seance by these three sisters. Why tell the truth when you can make money? I mean, because they're kids. (laughs) They're still kids. At this point, Kate is only 13. She's 13. Oh, no. They end up going on tour. They do a whole tour of the East Coast. They're playing at Barnum's Hotel, which is not P.T. Barnum's place, but it's his cousin's place. So there were lots and lots of famous people who were into it and who went to all of these shows. Horace Greeley, who was the New York Times or the New York Tribune editor, James Fenimore Cooper, William Cullen Bryant. Like I read a whole bunch of things that Arthur Conan Doyle was one of the like biggest proponents of spiritualism that existed, which is hilarious Mm -hmm. to me. Makes Um, sense. And anybody who listened to last week's episode knows that also so was Mary Todd Lincoln. Like, yeah, she was. It became a big thing. And it's all of these girls. Like they kind of started the whole thing. Um, Girls. So eventually they split up. Leah stayed in New York to perform seances and Maggie and Kate went on to continue the East Coast tour. Um, while they were on tour, Maggie met a dude named Elisha Kent Kane. He was like super enthralled with the whole show. He was so intrigued, I think mostly because he just couldn't figure it out. Sure. And so he kept going to them. And then when eventually he couldn't figure it out, he was like, all right, well, I guess also I'm kind of into you. So he and Maggie got married. So anyway, she gets married to him, but dies like almost immediately. (laughs) Oh my. So this is in 1857. So let's see. So she was 
like 25 at this point. So she had gone to school, though, because he had paid for her to go to school, which is that's dope. And so after he died, she, to honor him, converted to Catholicism and then basically spent like the rest of her life talking shit about spiritualism, which I think is hilarious. Wait, so so wait, so she converted <laughs> to Catholicism, not because she believed it, but because he liked it. Yeah, yeah. He was a super devout Catholic. And then she he had like always thought that she would like it because of the like bells and whistles of Catholicism, mm. I guess. <laughs> and was like, I don't know, like you like all the spiritualism stuff and it's all like, I don't know. It's not a great reason to convert to Catholicism. You do you go with God, but I don't <laughs> want to convert because somebody else likes it. Yeah, no, hard no. So while Maggie was off doing that, Kate was still performing seances. So Kate is now like a one woman show. She's like out there still fucking what, doing the whole thing. Um, no, I think at this point she's like at least 18. Like they were on the road for a while. Okay. So she was like full on in the spiritualism movement because it was kind of like peak. So it was peak uh, spiritualism time. Like business was booming because of the civil war. So everybody was losing somebody in the war and trying to reach them. Yeah. I mean, it's like, a, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I think it's a little grubby to be like, oh, hey, this is peak grieving times. Let's exploit it for money. So let's cash in on it with this fake thing. Yeah, that's shitty. But also, I, I doubt that that was her rationale. <laughs> you know, it was probably like, oh, this is money. I don't know. I don't know. Little anyway, she marries a spiritualist and he's like super into the whole thing. So she continues being a medium. But it ended up taking a really hard toll on her because spiritualism was such a movement. People were hungry for more. Everybody had kind of everybody who believed in spiritualism was like, okay, well, if we can talk to people beyond the veil, why can't we eventually like conjure them and see them? So Mm. as the movement grew, so did the demand. And so. Like so many things that I read, it was interesting that um, that was kind of the thing that hindered the spiritualism movement in the first place was that people were suddenly wanting full blown apparitions at their seances, which like mediums who were mostly faking it, if not entirely faking it, couldn't do. So Kate was under such pressure both from being in the spiritualism movement and also from having this like extra demand that she started drinking to cope with it. And it was not great. So um, ultimately for the Fox sisters, it's like a pretty sad story, but they're like the full blown reason that spiritualism exists. So in 1888, Maggie gave an interview to the New York world magazine where she denounced the spiritualism movement that they had started. Oh dang. She was super pissed at Leah and others because people were talking shit about Kate and saying that she couldn't handle taking care of her kids because she was drunk and that she was an embarrassment because she drank and shit like that. And Maggie basically was like, listen, we were kids. And like multiple times they had tried to stop it. Um, They had like six months into it had had the spirit tap out like this is the end. Like this was a great run. And then Leah apparently talked them back into it, according to Maggie. So um, people were pissed about the interview that she gave, though. Spiritualists were offended that she was a fake, which I think is pretty funny. 
Um, and then some people were saying that it was just a greedy move that she couldn't make money off of being a medium. So why not make some off of being a skeptic? Okay. <laughs> Which like, like, okay, <laughs> rude. Calm down. So, but then who knows? Because a year later after that interview, she recanted her debunking of it. So oh I don't know. They were a mess. Back all three of them forth, were just back and forth. Um, so all three sisters died within three years of each other, which is sad. Oh, Leah died in 1890. Kate died after a night of binge drinking in 1892. And Maggie died in 1893, which means if Maggie was 15 in 47 and she died in 93, like she's so young. Yeah. So young. Um, so to maybe lend a little bit of credence to them, because like, who am I to say? I don't know. No. In 1904, kids that were playing outside the yard of the former Fox house, which had become known in the town as the spook house, <laughs> found bones between the wall and the earth of the house. So maybe the creepy toe snapping came about as a secondary try and reproduce it thing. Yeah. So some people were saying, well, maybe those are the bones of the peddler because one doctor said that they were about 50 years old. And then another doctor was like, nah, bud, these are chicken bones. Then there was also this rumor that like some guy in town had gone and planted them and then was like, oh, shit, no. And then was too embarrassed to say so. So like, eh, who knows? But I think it was probably ghosts. Definitely ghosts. So that is the long story of the Fox sisters. It wasn't that long, but it's a great story. I also can edit it down. So no, I loved it. It was a great story. It was not too long. Cool. Do yeah. you mind sourcing your uh, sourcing your cool ass shit for me? Your spooky ass shit for me? Absolutely. So um, there's a really great, really long article on SmithsonianMag.com. Nice. Um, called the Fox Sisters and the Rap on Spiritualism, which like nice wordplay. Yep. Well done. Written by Karen Abbott. Um, HistoryNet.com had a really great article called The Fox Sisters, Spiritualism's Unlikely Founders. And then there was a, a article in theparisreview.org written by Edward White. It was fun. Amazing. It was a fun research. I bet. Mm-hmm. Also, there is a Drunk History episode on it, and it's pretty funny when they talk about the toe snapping. Ooh, I bet. Do you remember who's uh, in it? I don't. I was trying to remember, and I don't remember who's in it. But it's it's a good time. Oh, one more of my shit is um, lore podcast. That's where I yes kind of originally got the idea from. If you don't already listen to lore, everybody fucking go listen to lore because it's a great time. It's nice and spooky. Yeah. What was the other one that you did based on them? Mary Webster. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, half hang Mary. Amazing. I'm getting a lot of spooky ladies from lore. I love it. I love your spooks. All right. Now I'm going to sit back. I'm going to listen to your confusing. Settle in for my spooks. Can't wait for your spooks. All right. So this week for Halloween, I wanted to go full spooks. And I happen to live in Chicago. Yes. And Chicago is one of the most haunted places in the U.S. So this week... I'm going to tell you a collection of my favorite stories, mostly about women. Some of them aren't, but mostly about women, ghosts in Chicago. Yes. Oh, my God. I love I'm this idea. Stoked. I'm so stoked. 
I went back and forth about this for a long time. And then I was like kind of tossing the idea around at work. And one of the guys that I work with used to work on a haunted tour and he just started like throwing out tidbits. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I love it. I'm doing it. I love that. So I'm going to tell you some Chicago ghost stories that I personally believe most of these are very true because ghosts. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So we're going to start at the Drake Hotel. The Drake Hotel is mostly known for its ghost called the Woman in Red. So when the Drake opened, it had its opening gala, some say right on New Year's Eve, some say around New Year's Eve. But anyway, New Year's Eve 1920 was the Drake's big opening everything. And can you imagine like New Year's Eve 1920 at a swanky downtown Chicago hotel? Ugh. Oh, my God. So fun. So fun. The dresses. Wow. Okay. Apparently, the woman in red was at this party, and she found her lover. Some say fiancé, some say husband. That's going to be a theme throughout all of this. It's like some people say this, some people say this, but the theme is essentially the same. She found her, most cases say fiancé, in the arms of another woman. So she is distraught. She's distressed. She is depressed. She's the three Ds, you know? Yeah, the fun ones. The three most fun of the D's. So she runs up to the 10th floor <laughs> and she leaps out and she falls to her death. Oh, also, all of these are bummers because they're ghosts. I, I mean, they're ghosts. So. so they all so they all died at some point. They're all. Bummers. Yeah, so we already know the ending of. The- but I, I did so. try <laughs> and take out the ones that are like remarkably tragic. Like a lot of these are are tragic. But the ones that are like really, really horrifying, I don't, I'm not mentioning because some of them are just too big of a bummer. You know what I mean? Anyway, so today guests of the Drake Hotel will often see a woman in a red gown roaming the Gold Coast room and the Palm Court, or they'll see her wandering the 10th floor and the roof, doomed to repeat her untimely demise for all eternity. Right. I know. That's the woman in red. There's also a woman in black at the Drake, but it was basically a murder in 1944 that the murderer was a woman that vanished. And because there was zero evidence and zero anything, everybody was like, it was a ghost. But all of the evidence Mm. and every single account of the story that I've read was like, no, that was that was just a murder. There wasn't a a ghost involved (laughs) in my own personal opinion. Okay, so that brings us to the Congress Hotel, the Congress Plaza Hotel in downtown. Um, So the Congress was built in the 1890s for the World's Fair in 1893 to, like, show how much Chicago had overcome and how much we had rebuilt after the fire and, like, how we were, you know, the premier of world advancement and technology, yada, yada, yada. And the Congress has a bunch of ghosts. I'm only going to touch on the female ones, but there's... Well, mainly the female ones, but there's a lot of mobster ghosts at the Congress. A lot of people say that Al Capone himself haunts the Congress. I feel like that's most of Chicago is just mobster ghosts. I mean, it's 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 so much, Taylor. I could go on for two hours. I cut out a lot because there are so many ghosts in this city. Okay, so when wow. the Congress was built, we're going to talk about the Florentine Room first. The Florentine Room was built as a roller rink. For the World's Fair attendees. And now security guards, when they're doing their nightly rounds, when the Florentine room is locked, they will hear cheerful organ music 
behind the locked doors and they'll hear wooden skates rolling around on the floor and a piano that plays itself. There's a staff room nearby the Florentine room where a lot of the staff will hear a woman screaming right outside. But as soon as they run out there, no one's there, obviously. Um, And then there's a woman, a women's restroom down the hall where a female presence will appear in the mirrors. She'll stare at the living through the mirrors and then certain ones she'll follow out of the bathroom and down the hall. But as soon as they turn oh down into the hallway, she's gone. Oh, my God. There are so many of these that it's like countless accounts of the same thing. People that could not have spoken to each other years apart account recounting the same exact story. I hate that. And also, I love that. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it so much. So then there's the gold room. The gold room is currently used a lot as a wedding venue because it's gorgeous in downtown. But when it was built, it said that there was a worker that accidentally got walled up inside and died within the walls. So there's this one part of the wall where it looks like a hand, like a gloved working hand is reaching out and grabbing onto a pole. They call it the devil's hand. What? But now, when wedding photos are taken in that room, specifically around the grand piano, once those photos are developed, certain members of the photo or the wedding party are missing from the photo. So rather than, like, you take a photo and, like, there's a ghost in the background, this one does the exact opposite, and certain members of your family are missing from the photo. What? Yeah, they're just not there. Are there, like, photos of that? I think so. I'll have to find them. I'll try and find as many photos as I've collected a few of some of these things, but I need to search more for Instagram and stuff. That's so scary. Oh my God. Oh, just you wait. Okay. So then we get, so, okay. One of the women I'll mention her in my, um, source my shit, but she is a ghost hunter in Chicago and she goes, and stays in all of these places. And the Congress has countless like exact rooms that she mentions by number. And a few of them, she's like the owners made sure to make me not mention these numbers, but like, you know, this one does this, this one does this, this one does this on and on and on. Um, But the most famous and the one that the front desk gets the most calls and complaints about is room number 441. And room 441 happens to be the inspiration for Stephen King's story 1408. Which, have you read that one? Oh, man. Cool. Oh, yeah. No, I've definitely read it. And it's spooky as shit. Yeah. So this one, there aren't, there weren't any actual suicides in it. There were no suicides in this room. But there is a shadow woman that haunts it. And people will wake up in the middle of the night because she kicks them and she will kick them awake in the middle of the night and they call the front desk and it happens all the time. No one knows who the woman is or why she's there. They just know that she wants the room to herself and she gets pissed when somebody stays in that room. It might be padlocked off at this point. There are certain rooms at the Congress that are so haunted that they lock them from the outside and don't let guests stay there. What? Mm Mm-hmm. There's one that I'm pretty sure was like walled over, but you can still see like on the crown molding, the break where the wall, where the door used to be. It was so haunted that they walled it off. 
there's yes there are a few that they don't let guests stay in because they're so haunted wow Mm -hmm. um okay so that brings us to the story of inez clark inez is the one that i know the birthday she was born in 1873 and when she was six inez was out on a picnic with her parents and there was a summer thunderstorm which are always really strange to me but there was a summer thunderstorm and Inez was unfortunately struck by lightning and killed. So her parents buried her in Graceland Cemetery, and they commissioned a statue of her that was placed in plexiglass. And it's I have a photo of this one I'm definitely going to post on the Instagram because it is the cutest, sweetest little statue in the world. She has her hat. She has a little flower. She's got her dress. Like, she's so cute. She's six years old. And so... They had the statue commissioned and they put it in plexiglass so that they could keep it safe from the elements because that was what killed her. Oh, my God. There's also a statue in Rose Hill Cemetery. So a lot of people debate which one actually has the body of Inez buried underneath it and where her actual remains are. Um, oh. But either way, in Graceland Cemetery, there are a whole bunch of accounts of seeing a child in 1800s garb running around the cemetery and playing. And a lot of parents have had accounts like and said their kids have told them that they were playing with someone in old timey clothes, but the parents could neither see nor hear the playmate. And then uh, what? Uh, there are a whole bunch of accounts, mostly from security guards, that whenever storms roll in, specifically summertime thunderstorms. The plexiglass is empty and the statue is gone because she's scared. of What? No. She's scared of the thunder and she hides. No, but she's, I call bullshit she, on that one. She always returns after the storm. That's that's just what they say. They say that the the statue a lot of times is missing during storms and then it's back whenever the storm is over. Who knows? Wow. I don't know. But that's the story. Wow. OK, so this one's not about a woman, but it's a crazy story. Mainly for us. So there's also a place called Death Alley that I have walked down a manjillion times before I had any idea what it was. Back in the day, I should have the year and I forgot to write it down. doesn't matter. In the theater district, there is a there was a theater called the Iroquois it was in downtown Chicago. And it was putting on its first play called Mr. Bluebird. And it sold out 1800 tickets. But the building had been rushed. And so the builders had cut corners when they built this theater. So during the production of Mr. Bluebird, one of the overhead lights sparked and it started a fire. So quickly the theater caught fire. And as people were rushing to get out, a lot of them got lost in the labyrinth that is a theater. And then those that yeah. found the doors found the doors found that the doors only opened in but they couldn't open them in what? because of the amount of people that were pushing against them to get out. So it was this whole like panic of the doors opened in, but everybody like the crowd was freaking out and it was mob mentality. So oh. they could get anybody to calm down. Right. So the cast, that's my crew, nightmare. So the cast and crew were trying to help and they're trying to put out the fire but by that point, the flames had gotten so high, they couldn't reach the top of the flames to, like, douse them or throw anything on them. And then they tried to release. It was called an asbestos curtain in the research, but I think it was basically a fire curtain. 
Mm. So they tried yeah, to drop. That would make sense. Right? They tried to drop that, but it got caught on something, so it was rendered useless. So there was a vent at the top of the flies that was meant for situations like this, where it could vent out smoke and all of that, but it had been nailed shut in the construction for some reason. What? Yeah. Somehow it was nailed shut. So when the cast and crew ran out the back, whenever they opened the doors and all of that oxygen came in, the fire exploded out. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So people are jumping. People are freaking out. And in total, 600 people died in the Iroquois, Iroquois theater fire. Um, unfor- I mean, yeah. The good thing is, because of that, a lot of theaters have upgraded their safety codes, and it can't Wonderful. happen again. For example, you will never be in a theater that the doors open inward, you know? Wow, yeah. yeah. Doors will always open outward. Like, there's so many safety precautions that are in place because of this event. Um, Damn. But down Death Alley... It said that you can still hear the people whispering your name and then you'll come across patches of unusually cold breezes, um, which I've walked down that alleyway a lot. And it's the stage door alleyway. And it's it honestly, it was the quickest way to get to the Goodman from a lot of places. So when Callie was interning there, I would go down there a lot and I mm-hmm. never heard whispering or if I came across patches of cold breezes, I wasn't paying attention because I was like, wow, stage doors. <laughs> I'm a nerd. In 1926, they rebuilt it as the Oriental Theater, or I guess the Oriental Theater was built in its place, which today is called the James M. Niederlander Theater, which is where I saw Finding Neverland, and currently Spamalot is playing. So, you know. Wow. Yeah. Fun. It's still still definitely a theater in the theater district. There, I mean, there are so many. So I came across a bunch of stuff of like, this place called the Red Lion Pub that has a 1920s girl that hangs out there and a woman named Sharon that plays pranks on people. These are all ghosts, by the way. Um, there's a ghost that haunts House, House of Blues and Hotel Florence has one. Like there's they're literally everywhere. Haymarket had a ghost, has a ghost, I should say, named Barney that when I was working there multiple times, we would hear a crash or something and I would like run over to see what it was and there would be glasses shattered where no one was and they were sitting on a shelf and then suddenly they weren't like I witnessed that a couple of times and everybody was just like oh yeah it's Barney and then would move on and somebody would clean it up like everything in Chicago was haunted but that brings me to my favorite story this is my last one so the most seen ghost in Chicago is named Resurrection Mary and she's the ghost of a Oh, my place God, I know this one. You know Resurrection Mary? Ugh, I do. It's so good. She's the ghost of Archer Avenue. So I was going to wait to tell you this while you were sourcing your shit, but there's a great lore episode just about Chicago. Really? Yeah, and that's oh. where I heard about Resurrection Mary is because he covers it. It's so fascinating. It is so fascinating. Oh, yes. Okay, so southwest of Chicago in Justice, Illinois – there was a dance hall called the O. Henry Ballroom. Today it's called the Willowbrook, but it doesn't matter. So in the 1930s, they would do, you know, big band 
music and have dances. And that was like what you did when you went out. Right. Yeah. Well, one day a young man met a young woman and her name was Mary and she was sweet and she was quiet and she was just kind of like kept to herself, but not in a standoffish way. Like she was just shy. You know what I mean? Can't you just picture like the sweetest little like 1930s, like coming from a dance hall? Yes. Probably got her hair in like little pin curls. Yeah. And she, so she's blonde and she's wearing this white dress and she's got these cute dancing shoes. And so he is immediately smitten and he walks over and he introduces himself and her name's Mary. And so they start dancing and they dance and they dance and they dance. And at one point they're up really close and he's like touching her hands and her hands are really cold. And his face like made a weird look at her like are you okay and she kind of shrugged it off and said you know what they say cold hands means you have a warm heart and so they you know they laugh it off and they keep dancing so at the end of the night he offers to give her a ride home down archer avenue and she gives him her address on damon avenue in brighton park and on the way she asks him to pull over and it's right on the side of resurrection cemetery and she gets out and she says i have to go and you can't follow me so she got out, she walked up to the iron gates, and as soon as she touched the chains that were holding the gates together, she vanished. So he starts freaking oh, out. He starts freaking out, and he spends the rest of his night fi- trying to find her. He's driving around, he's walking around, he's searching for her all night long, and he cannot find her. So when the morning comes, he goes to the address that she gave him. And he goes up and he knocks on the door because he's like, maybe she made it home and I missed it. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. a woman that looks older than her answers and he asks, is Mary home? And the answer she gives him is Mary died in a car accident four years ago. Barf. Yeah. Which makes me think of the John lady like that bathroom's been closed for 40 years. (laughs) Yeah. Behind her, apparently, there was a photo of Mary, and he sees, like, that's the girl. And then that man has an aneurysm. Seriously. And then he died. And then he couldn't handle what he was looking at, and he dropped dead. And he dropped to the floor. Um, So a lot of people say that the crash happened on the way to the dance hall, and then some people say that she was walking home from the dance hall, and she got hit on the side of the road. But either way, Mm. it was... An, a car accident and her parents buried her in resurrection cemetery, which is a cemetery mainly for the Polish community at the time. So since then there were a whole bunch of sightings of a blonde woman in a white dress. She was either walking or hitchhiking. Some people would see a body on the side of the road and call the cops freaking out. But then when the cops would get there, there was no body. There was just like an imprint in the grass. Um, and a lot of people thought that they hit someone and they would go searching for help. One guy, so there's a bar that you can see from the cemetery called Chet's Melody Lounge. And it's like one of those roadside, you know, dive bar jukebox taverns. Mm-hmm. And one guy thought that he hit her, freaked out, ran over there. And the owner was pulling out at the time and he stops him and he's, fr- you know, he's frantic and he says that he just, you know, hit this woman and calmly the owner was like, was it a blonde woman in a white dress? And the guy's like, yeah, how how the fuck did you know that? And he was like, you didn't hit anyone. You saw a ghost and then just kept moving right Ew. along, mm-hmm. which that bar, Chet's, leaves a Bloody Mary at the end of the bar for her just in case. 
Oh, my God. Which I feel like a Bloody Mary is kind of disrespectful. It's not full of tact. And also, if she's wearing a white dress, I mean, come on, you guys. Come on, you guys. Which they say, like, oh. Reagan, we have to go to that bar. It's, I would love that. I would love nothing more than that. We have to go to that bar. We have to talk to the bartenders about all of the weird shit that they have yeah. seen. And, you know, even though we literally just talked about how it might be a little disrespectful, I'm not going to drink anything except for a Bloody Mary. No, only. Only. We're not wearing white dresses. We're not named Mary. We didn't die. Come it's on. not rude for us to do it. They say that, like, Mary's never no. drank the Bloody Mary, obviously, but they're like, their whole thing is, yeah, there's a restless spirit wandering around. We're not going to not leave something out for it. <laughs> Which, like, I get it. Fair. Yeah. I'd leave something. So then Mary goes quiet, essentially, for a bunch of years. And nobody sees her. Well, then in the 1970s, they start doing, um, what's it called? Um, renovations to the cemetery. Um, and she had what's called a term plot, which I didn't know what that was. But it's basically you rent a plot for 25 years. And then you either pay for it again or they move the body. And at the end of her 25-year term, her parents had died, and so no one paid the, like, renewal fee, I guess. So they moved her body to an unmarked wow. grave in the corner of the graveyard, which, by the way, is like Talk one about of the stirring up some spirits. Seriously. And it's one of the largest and most haunted graveyards in the U.S., it's like 500 acres. This or makes sense to me. Huge. Um, so she's silent for a bunch of years and then they do all these reno- renovations. They move her body and she's obviously disturbed. So the cops are called and they yeah. respond to a call of a woman in a white dress roaming the cemetery. And when the cops get there, the iron gates that are the entrance were bent like somebody had pulled them apart and the spot where the hands would have pulled them looked like it was scorched, but it also looked like it was small feminine hands that like burned Gross. these iron bars apart. So the, the iron was repaired, but the new iron refused to take the paint. So you could still see the part where the hands were like, they're not wow. bent anymore. But the metal was never the same, which is creepy. Um, so after the remodel, sightings of her start up again. But this time she seems confused and she seems disoriented. And hitchhikers and cab drivers are picking up. And one cab driver picked her up and she kept like starting to speak or trying to speak and then stopping And eventually the only thing she said was the snow came early this year, which like is the saddest sentence when you live in a cemetery. Um, And then right when he passed resurrection cemetery, she vanished. So he started freaking out, called the cops, the whole nine yards. And that's the thing that's like really cool or slash spooky about her is like everyone that sees her, almost everyone talks to her and they remember specific conversations with her and she gets in the car and they talk to her. And a lot of them, she's big, she's been picked up so many times and 
she either vanishes when they pass the cemetery or like when people walk around to open the door for her, they get there and open the door and she's gone. Um, which gross, 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 gross. The grossest. The grossest. But she's seen walking down the road, walking through the cemetery. And my favorite, a lot of accounts have said that she's still dancing. And she's always in her white dress and her dancing shoes, no matter what the weather. Which, oh, Mary. She just wanted to go dancing. I mean, that makes sense, though, because, like, ghosts probably don't have closets. No, I know, but just the whole idea of her still dancing, because that's all she wanted to do. It just... Uh, that's the story of Resurrection Mary, the ghost of Archer <laughs> Avenue, which is the most cited ghost in Chicago. Because it's been over a hundred years. Wow. And we gotta go find Mary. I, w- I would love to go chill with Mary. So many people have seen her. Uh, it's crazy to me. Anyway, those are my favorite spooky Chicago ladies. I loved that. I told you I was positive you weren't doing it. <laughs> yeah, that was a great time. It was Good so idea. fun to research, and there was so much that I left out. There's, Do you want to source your shit for me? So haunted. Yes, I would love to. I got a bunch on like Atlas Obscura, CemeteryGuide.com, HauntedRooms.com. Um, the Chicago Reader featured just Chicago stuff from a book called Folk Tales and Legends of the Middle West by a guy named Edward McClellan. Uh, oh, the lineup.com. I like calling it the Middle West. I know. It got me every time. The Middle West. Yeah. Folk Tales and Legends of the Middle West by Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Pretty much. Um,. There was an article in Chew Chicago by a woman named Judy Giannetto, and she seems to write a lot of stuff about haunted Chicago places. But Fun. there's a website called ChicagoHauntings.com, and it's run by a woman named Ursula Bielski, who's the the ghost hunter that I told you about. She calls <laughs> herself a historian and folklorist. And it's just an entire Cute. website. Each article is about a different place in Chicago that's super haunted. And I read that thing for wow. hours. It's fascinating. And she goes and she tries to experience every place herself. That's great. It's super cool. And those are my spooks. I love your spooks. Thanks. I love my spooks, too. I loved your spooks. Those are great spooks. Who's your lady of the week? So I have a few leading up to my my spooks. I went and saw a 10-minute play festival, slam, whatever you want to call it, a night of 10-minute plays. Um, and one of them was a lot of them were really good. And my friend Christina that I've talked about a couple times on here, she directed one that was super fun. And it was one of those twist ending ones. That, like, you think it's going a certain way, and then suddenly you're like, uh-huh. Anyway, it was great. But there was oh, one I piece in particular that the synopsis is literally called Five Drummers Grapple with the Elimination of Reproductive Rights in the U.S. And it was these five women that were drumming on the ground. Like, they were slapping the ground. And they were 
they would like the blocking was really active. You know what I mean? They would be moving around a yeah. bunch and they would all switch positions. And every time they moved, they would share a fact about abortion in the U S and so immediately I'm in and I'm there and it just got more and more emotional as it went on. And as it went on, they were drumming faster and faster and faster. And then one by one, each of the women would either share her story of how she was abused or what have you. They were all different. And the pressure essentially and the speed, the pace of it would be too much and she would leave and she would quit until it got down to the last woman. And she was desperately like pounding on the ground and she's, crying and she's pounding and she's like no we have to keep going we have to keep going we have to keep going and then she stops and she looked up at the audience and she was like because you know what it's none of your business and then walked off and that was the end of the play yeah and i was sobbing like hardcore sobbing it was ugly um and (laughs) bless his heart there was this super old white man in front of me and I was like oh no here we go and as soon as she said it's none of your business I walked off he just started nodding and he goes exactly and I was like oh oh my heart you sweet little old man not all white men (laughs) it was so sweet so anyway I looked it up and it was written by a woman named Dolores Diaz. It was directed by a woman named Claire Brennan. And it was performed by Jessamine Fitzpatrick, Cohen Krauss, Danielle Malinock, Drew Michelle, Jocelyn Zamudio. It's something like that. I don't know how you pronounce it. But I don't know who was who. I don't know what was what. But it was really, really powerful. And I loved it. Wow. So they're my they're my ladies of the week this week because you know why? Because wow. they kind of, I'm sorry, this is going on long and we can cut this if you want to. No, no. But it kind of outside of the topic that it was on, the more and more I thought about it through the week, the more it kind of encouraged me to like, you're never going to please everyone. I am never, mm-hmm. ever going to do what everyone wants me to do. So why try? Why not just do what mm-hmm. I'm going to do? And if people don't like it, it's none of their business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, it made me look at, I mean, I had so many women of the week this week. It made me look at all the women in my life that are like, I'm done being a people pleaser. I'm done doing this or that because it makes people happy. I'm going to do what I want to do because it empowers me and it gets me through the day and it makes me happy. Yeah. I want to be a little bit more like that. That's a really good one. Those are my 75 women of the week this week. Who's your Who's your lady of the week? Yeah, good one. Um, Tell me. My lady of the week is my good pal Lizzie, because she oh, yay. and Brandon just moved out to their first house, and it's very cute. We went over there on Sunday for like little family brunch, and we like took Dirks and Fiona came out, and we all just went out to the valley, and we like sat in their cute little like kitchen around their cute dining room table, and we all just had breakfast, and it was so nice and cute. That's awesome. She's like, yeah, it's just, it's been very fun to like see her as excited about it as she is. And it's just, I love it. It's just very cute. So she's my lady of the week. Because I, 
have Evan and I both have been living vicariously through like our friends that are homeowners. So like Megan and Daniel too will be like, like so uh like talk to us about your yard, you know. We went out there and nerds. Evan was like the daddest dad that I've ever seen. He was like going around looking at all the light sockets, being like, Oh yeah, this looks pretty good. It's like what are you eighty? Like what is happening? <laughs> Don't forget to drink your fiber. Like, what? Who are you? I love it. I don't know who you are. We're at that age where either some people are trying to still live in their high school slash college glory days, and some of us are leaping directly into old peoplehood. Yeah, man. I, the other day, I realized that I was ancient because I was watching Dateline Mm -hmm. and embroidering and doing a crossword all at the same time. And I was like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> I've been trying to decide exactly what uh, pattern, I guess pattern's the right word, what design I want my fall and Christmas front door wreaths to be. Oh, my God. You are so domestic. I'm so domestic. I'm a wreath lady. I made stew. Well, you're in good company because my mom is a wreath lady. More people than I thought are. My mom's going to be so excited that you're a wreath lady. (laughs) The more I told somebody, like, you know what? I think I'm a wreath lady. The more people were like, oh, my God, me too. I was like, oh, well, this is great. I I am not a wreath lady, but I am a aggressively appreciates a wreath lady. Thank you. I'm going to I'm going to go to Michael's and I'm going to get some shit and I'm going to make me a wreath. You have to post a photo of your wreath now. You Obviously, realize this. I'll post a photo. It probably won't be up for this one because I'm going to yeah. be out of town all weekend, so I won't get a chance to make it. But yeah. I'll try and post it by next week, by next wreath. Great. <laughs> great. I appreciate that. <laughs> this was a great time. This was a great time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also... um. Sweet people who are still listening to this. You sweet angels. We appreciate you. Make sure. We do. I mean, I guess we're kind of preaching to the choir if you're still listening to this. But if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and rate and review us. We really, really, really would appreciate it. We love you. Um, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all at BabetownPod. We have a Gmail if you'd like to send us your ladies of the week or babes you think we should cover. Or if you want to drop us like a, hey, this is great. Or, hey, why did you do this? All of it. We'd love all of it. Yeah, we'd love it. We'll tell you. We'll talk about it. Let's open a dialogue. Yeah, I love you. I love you. This was delightful. And I'll talk to you in a week. This was always delightful. Nice and spooky. Which will be yeah. Native American Heritage Halloween. Month. It sure will be. And we'll record on Halloween. <laughs> cool. And, yeah, it is. Well, it's Native American Heritage Month next month. We're going to do some babes. Oh, it's going to be a great time. I'm real stoked. I have a whole list. Cool. It's going to be great. All right. I love you. Go love on your pup for me. Okay. I love you. In a week. In a week. Bye, dude. Sounds great. Bye. Bye, babes.